And we're back for episode two with new and improved sound. I realized on the first episode that the H4N recorder I'm using has an external recorder and then two microphones I hooked up. And Zach and I were recording on the external recorder. So the two mics we had up to our faces for an hour were not turned on, which explains some of the echoey sound you heard. And that's probably the right tone for this podcast. Um, Certainly a learning experience. I'm learning how to be a better podcaster. We're all learning a little bit about how to be better models. And who knows, maybe about how to be better people because it's all intertwined, right? Episode, boy, um, this is Steph Cordial, who is a badass fitness model with my agency here in LA, SLU. And I knew this was going to be a lovely conversation because Steph is just a lovely person, but she dropped so many gems and bits of wisdom. There's just too many to count. And if you're interested in how to make the transition from athlete to model, the modeling industry in general, how to be a happy person, this is the episode for you. And we got a little bit into my own story in this episode. Um, you know, over the course of this podcast, I want to leak a little, leak a few deets about my own life and what I'm up to in my spare time. And I just finished a big art piece that took, I don't know, several hundred hours. So it's going off to the framer now before being delivered to the client's home. And I'm glad that I have this podcast to pour my spare time into because that's important to me. And you'll hear why on this episode. It's also been great to get feedback from you guys about you actually listening to the first episode. Um, The fact that people were able to listen to it on a long run or sitting alone at an airport is amazing because that's the true test of a podcast engagement and it's so refreshing to hear that you guys learn some things maybe you related to some things if you have questions or things you want to hear in future episodes guests you want to have on you'd like me to have on uh, let me know my goal right now is to put one of these out every second thursday but if uh, if the demand's there i'm more than happy to ramp up to one a week so let me know what you think let me know what you like let me know what you don't like Um, and in the meantime just enjoy Steph Cordial because she is fucking awesome. Let me hear your levels. Mm-hmm. I'm basically an audio one, engineer two. now. One, two, one, two. Mic check. We'll go up a little bit. A little to bit. the beat, y'all. Hey, Steph. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks Thanks for for having me Thanks for doing something. It's so easy to not do things and not drive places. Well, that's the thing I've learned about being a quote-unquote Los Angelino. We have a really bad rep for not following through on what we say we're going to do. It's so easy. I have friends who live so close and I won't see them for months. Yeah. Just like coordinating schedules, coordinating traffic. Once you get home, you're like, I'm not going out. Like... I won't even go to Ralph's if it's at the wrong time. Definitely. And I've found that if you actually do make the effort to go to things that align with what makes you happy, you're always so stoked in the end. The right. result is always awesome. And like I've never left went. the gym and said, I regret that. Yeah. Likewise. Even if I just go to eat, which I've been doing <laughs> quite a lot lately. Sometimes I go <laughs> and I'm just like, I'll, I'm just going to roll out and we'll see what happens. And then yeah. I'll roll out and be like, oh, I'll just do like something. Isn't that nice, though? Once you get the blood flowing, you're kind of good. You kind of want to get after it. And as an old man, I roll out a lot more than I work out. You're so old. Look at all those wrinkles on your face. I got a Theragun recently. It's the best thing ever. Hell yeah. You must must fuck with that. I do. Hyperice, or what's it called? The Hypervolt and the Theragun. Only I can't use the Theragun in the airport because it sounds like a bomb is going off. (laughs) Fair. You know this. Yeah, I never thought to use it in the airport. Does it scare your dog? She doesn't mind it. No. I have a new robot vacuum cleaner that she's like not super stoked about. No, I'm not a fan of Roomba. Yeah, but she's pretty adaptable. Um, but the real question is, what were you doing when you were seven years old? Oh man, I listened to Zach's podcast. He had a pretty good answer. He had a wonderful <laughs> answer, and I was half expecting to be asked this question as well and when I was seven I was already in full student athlete mode yeah I was playing 
three different sports and then spending all summer doing uh, junior lifeguards. Right. So at Which the sports? Beach, I was playing basketball, soccer, and softball. With no downtime, I was being whisked from soccer practice straight to my basketball championship. Yeah. And that's just the way life was with school in between. And Was this of your own will or was this like a little bit of you know what? parental influence yeah uh, that's a very good question thinking back on it i didn't know anything other than that i right. think when you're seven years old you kind of you get in the car you show up somewhere yeah. you do the thing yeah yeah mom and dad are you know they're god and they tell you what to do and for the most part it was enjoyable because i'm a big uh i'm a fan of being the best teammate i can be that shows so yeah, I don't know. So I guess at seven, I was I was being a teammate, and I was having those close interactions with friends who also did uh, the same activities yeah. and like-minded things. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because you are a doer. I would say you're yeah. a mover and a shaker. Sure. Like watching your Instagram stories, I get tired because <laughs> you fit more into one day with a smile on your face than I do in like a week. I don't. I don't you have six cups of coffee, which you usually showcase from the different cafes you go to. Yeah. But I mean, you're at like yoga and then like, oh, I just casually swam some laps. So now I'm going to go like do the sauna and then I'm going to go for a run and train for the marathon. And I think it's it's such a blessing and a curse. Uh, you've probably seen a lot of activity on my story lately because I've been in a dry spell for work. Really? For a couple weeks now. Summer slowdown's coming. Yeah, which is, uh, I try to take these times as blessings. And yeah. there's always a lesson to be learned or some inner self to be discovered yeah. and some patience to be had. Yeah. I think when we are uh, coined as doers, it's so hard to sit still yeah. and to just be with yourself and check in and say, oh, what do I like to do other than uh, base my life around travel schedules and work. And it's a difficult question sometimes. Um, but yeah, I like getting amongst it. I like to move. I feel better after yoga than, than anything. I feel like I have a crisp and clear train of thought and I can go about my day feeling like I've accomplished something. Yeah. And I know you can relate. You're a mover and a shaker. I got to do stuff too. I mean, it keeps, mine's more of an issue of keeping the demons at bay. I think when I'm not creating, I'm, destroying in one way or another <laughs> so i try to do that as little as possible he's a troubled artist I'm people so you heard it here brooding. first <laughs> um i mean it seems like a little bit is genetic for you your mom who features heavily on your instagram seems to never stop getting her steps in and moving and she's adorable thank uh, you thank you she appreciates that too i actually just watched her fly to chicago yesterday and she'll be back tomorrow yeah crazy lady she's 70 and really just doing it right but do you struggle so when you have a dry spell with work do you struggle with like figuring out how to fill the time because you can always fall into this mindset of like well i'll have an audition tomorrow i'll probably book a job tomorrow so i shouldn't plan anything or start anything big and like you kind of just like lay there like just waiting and i've learned to like you said embrace those downtimes and use them to work on like weird side projects weird art that i'm making because otherwise i go insane and then when you start to get hungry for work and you go into castings, like they can smell it on you. Oh, totally. And then you're just in this cycle of not booking and it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, definitely. It's a hard pill to swallow when you come across a dry spell. And I've been doing this for, gosh, almost eight years now. So I think every time a dry spell hits and you're suddenly starved without work or... Yeah. You know, just having that thought of, oh, what if I never work again? Which is kind of a silly thought we all have. Whether, all the time. Yeah. Whether <laughs> Every job. Is this my last? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it very well could be. Who knows? But it's usually not the case. But that is a trickle down from directors to a lot of photographers now. A lot of print photographers are just completely out of work now. Yeah. That everything has gone Social. so digital yep. or um, is shot by drone. 
is shot by robots. So and a lot of these like run and gun shoots where it's just you and a photographer, no mm-hmm. permits, and they're like, we're just gonna grab a bunch of digital content, and they're <laughs> like, okay, like, yeah, is this is cool. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot of the, I guess, wonky stuff that's going on with our industry has to do with social media. Yep. Which is its own demon, but during dry yeah. spells, it's tough to think of it this way but you have to thirst for knowledge and not thirst for work Hmm. Um, i think explain when i come across uh, not being able to work i find a new goal to set for myself last time i didn't have much work uh, back in november Mm -hmm. i signed up yeah i signed up for a marathon And that gave me something to do and some sort of uh, something to set my mind to every single day and to wake up for. And I think there should be plenty of things. If work is the only thing that you're getting up to do in the morning, then you need to check yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think of it like, you know, I model. Modeling pays my bills, Mm -hmm. you know, most of them, most of the time. But like it's the least defining thing about me, you know? This it's is like, very true, especially what about I you. do, but I liken it to like, you know, I'm also an artist and like a lot of artists, you know, wait tables or have a job in a bookstore. And like, that's my job in a bookstore. I'm lucky that I've like worked hard to make it a cool job, but like, mm-hmm. and I love it and I do want to pursue it as a career, but it's also just like something I do for money. So yeah. there's a weird sort of dichotomy there between like, this is something I love and enjoy and I'm passionate about, but it's also just like. It pays the bills. Like I sell shoes. I'm just, I'm a glorified shoe salesman <laughs> most of the time. Shoe salesman. Yeah, you know? I'd buy shoes if you were wearing them. I heard you mention on your uh, prior podcast yeah. that when you introduce yourself or when people ask you what you do, you say you're a model. Yeah. And I find that really brave. Yeah, Not I like it. That, but that it, it does bring rise to a lot of different connotations, and it it starts a conversation. And I've always struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, eight years later, I would rather introduce myself as um, a, someone in commercial fitness or a coach or something that has some sort of uh, more academic sounding sure. backing, Yeah, which is so silly, right? What is my worth? Only in academia? Like, yeah. No. I, it's like a weird social experiment and I was like super self-conscious about saying it at first but once I sort of owned it you could kind of like play with it mm-hmm. and see people's reactions and like I said in my intro in the last podcast it's like if they write me off great like I probably don't need to talk to you but like if they're like oh you model but like like how'd you get into that or they just want to dig a little deeper then cool yeah, but more. yeah it's uh but I I would be harder pressed to introduce myself as an artist or a writer or any of the other uh, things I do because saying you are that noun as opposed to like, Oh, I've written or I make art, you know, right. kind of making it more separate than like what you are. True. is tricky. I can't imagine being a true artist, yeah. just the amount of downtime and creativity and when that creativity jumps into flow and what spawns from that can't even imagine the the most creative i feel today is when i'm just pumping out tons of workouts and programming mm-hmm. for for my coaching and for the the app that i work for so yeah tone it of, up app right yeah. tone it up tone it up yeah a wonderful community of women but i do think that is art like a lot of mountaineers and climbers and people who push the limits will talk about their pursuits as like their art, like their, you know, Alex Honnold free soloing or Dean Potter doing these like crazy free jumps uh, or base jumps or whatever else he did. Like they consider it their art. And I think athletes, you know, I have a lot of friends who have jobs they don't necessarily love, but in their spare time, like they push their athletic boundaries and like, maybe they're not going to go home and work on a painting, but they're going to go like put their heart rate monitor on and like go to work on just training. And I think that's, just as valuable of a pursuit as like being some weird brooding artist what is true i know that when i so i started modeling well there goes my voice <coughs> and Kombucha. we're done cut her off um when i started modeling i had a year of eligibility left playing college basketball yeah and i saw that coming to an end 
and I needed something to fill that void um, of creativity, of being amongst teammates, just something to fuel my passions again. And I guess, yeah, it's hard to have a drive spell for work because it is what I love to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're very good at it. Well, we just happen to have a job that people would die to have. And it doesn't feel like that all the time because we get put in pretty interesting conditions a lot of the time all the time i don't know how many parking lots i've changed in (laughs) and like weird bathrooms on the beach i've had to uh, yeah Yeah. it gets weird and like it gets uncomfortable but that's five percent of the job um so where'd you play basketball in college i played basketball for two years at uc santa barbara and two years at cal state monterey bay sick and then started modeling out of nowhere um did you play in the European leagues? I did. That's so I right. started modeling and then had to completely stop that and take a leap of faith, go play overseas because yeah. that was something that I always uh, strove to do. And I never had any inkling whether modeling was going to be around when I came back. Right. So that would be my advice to young models, actually, or athletes that are making that pretty smooth transition into the fitness modeling world if there's something on your mind or on your heart that you need to go do leave modeling behind it will be there when you come back it's just a matter of a couple months of working yourself back in doing a couple of test shoots and it'll be there it's not going anywhere yeah Yeah. go live your dream don't let anything hold you back from doing what you need to do yeah the robots aren't that good yet But so when you went to the European leagues, was that just like a chance to be in that team setting again or to like maybe chase a f- like a longer career? Well, like how yeah. how'd you go into it? Was it just a, totally. this is the last piece or is this like maybe this will go? I don't know how it works. It was no pun intended. It was a hoop dream. And <laughs> I started coaching after I finished at Cal State Monterey Bay. I studied kinesiology. I was completely into sports sciences and would nerd out about that at all times. So movement Mm -hmm. was my thing. And also at the same time, finding ways to motivate each individual player into being their best. And it is kind of a tug of war amongst coaches who say everyone should be treated the same or everyone should have the same um, boundaries and expectations. Yeah. But in order to motivate this woman, I can't tell her this. I must tell her something else. Right, and that's it has to be what, individualized. Yeah, exactly. So I think in coaching, I learned quite a bit of that. Yeah. And when I sent tapes overseas without any idea if I was going to be signed, um, I ended up playing in La Spezia, Italy, which that's was... not too bad. Yeah, it was the... Uh, I guess the, the loneliest year of my life, but the most valuable as in like I actually became an adult yeah you moved abroad right after college yeah I did a similar thing and like when you're so isolated from like everything you've known Mm -hmm. you really have a chance to figure out who you are and I think Mm -hmm. that's important that sort of isolation is important and you like Mm -hmm. did your teammates speak your language did what was it I was one of two American girls um I no one got along well with the other American girl and so it was me and the Italians I had to pick up Italian and I was fluent at one point really lost it completely um I don't know how your experience was when you moved abroad but did you have a lot of cell service or were you pretty isolated I was in the Middle East and like there weren't even addresses on the buildings it was like the wild west yeah so Michael had his mecca yeah um, and I had my wild italian journey yeah but yeah i remember going so in europe or i guess in italy in particular they can really just take off work in the middle of the day and go take a nap and then come back so i would go to the the cell phone store and ask for more giga which means gigabytes i Mm -hmm. guess because i would run out in an instant and I found myself just panicked when I couldn't get on social media Mm -hmm. or when I couldn't check my email at a certain time. Like I was completely missing out on something that isn't so. Well, you're missing out on things back home or in Italy. I felt like I was missing out on uh, like friends, birthdays and and people getting engaged. And um, 
and and work and modeling yeah and seeing girls that look very much like me book nike jobs and mm-hmm. adidas because you had already like dipped your toe so you knew it was a real possibility definitely i'd um miraculously come across some really great direct books bookings when i first started modeling yeah and was spoiled from that even mm-hmm. though they were a lot of them were gritty and required you know a lot of athleticism i was spoiled in that they paid really well yeah and i never knew if i was going to get that back so right scary but so glad i went on uh, my italian adventure yeah, I mean, I, I relate to that because I had never modeled when I moved to the Middle East. I moved to Jordan, and I was designing theme parks, which was, you know, a dream job for yeah. someone who studied fine art and architecture and, like, wanted to travel and be creative. It was just, like, I, a no-brainer. But I had that same feeling of, like, I had gotten so close to my group of friends in college, and then they all moved to, like, Boston or New York or somewhere going to San Francisco, and I was in the middle of fucking nowhere. And I was yeah. like, guys, what's going on? Like, what are you up to, guys? Like, yeah. send me emails about what's happening. And, like, yeah. I, like, missed that connection. But at the same time, it was such a valuable experience in terms of just being isolated, being a white kid from the Midwest and then a white kid who lived in New Hampshire and then a white kid in Jordan were wildly different experiences. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can only imagine. I got yeah. pointed out in the streets. People thought I was a spy. Kids laughed at me. <sighs> like, the dating scene was so weird to navigate yeah. and I've made friends and had a, incredible experiences, but yeah, at the same time, like you, I wanted to go home and then I ended up transferring to LA and then yeah. I fell into modeling my own route. But so were you planning on being in the middle East for a while? Yeah. I, so I originally signed like a one year contract because yeah. um, the company I was working for opened up a theme park design division and I, just, you know, kind of helped spearhead it. And then they signed me for a four more years to live in the Middle East. The CEO sort of like twisted my arm and there was some pressure from other people who had helped me get the job. And I signed the contract to stay for another four years, knowing full well that I didn't want to. I still hadn't learned the language as sort of like a protest of like, well, once I learn it, I'm stuck here. I'll be one of these weird expats. And I had nightmares about it. And I like finagled away to get them to transfer me to the LA office for six weeks for training and I never went back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Whew, dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy to think about how different your life would be had so you not different. asserted yourself in that way or, yeah. like, followed your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Your subconscious was telling you something. Oh, like, I, <laughs> I had <laughs> journals about, like, the dreams. They were terrifying. It was, yeah. I just knew I was making a, just a bad decision. It's crazy. And then, so like the only time I ever have consistently journaled in my life yeah. was overseas. Yeah. And the, I go back and read it sometimes. There's some dark stuff in there that needed to be worked through. Yeah. Like the twisted inner workings of your mind when you're solo. Pretty crazy. It's enough to warrant a therapist. And I mean, that's <laughs> that time right after college, you're 22, you're technically an adult, but like... Yeah you're basically a toddler in the real world, you know, like you're still a binge drinking monster. Like you're an athlete, so you probably didn't party as much as I may have. Um, (laughs) Who's to say? But I don't know. It's like, I can't imagine getting into modeling at like 15 or 18 and moving to like New York or LA. I mean, I got into it at 24. You were what, 21, 22? Yeah. How did you, how did you start? How'd you get like the first inkling? I was, so I grew up in Manhattan Beach, and there's a big, number one, AVP beach volleyball scene, and the second biggest thing was LA County lifeguarding. So I was doing my annual recheck, you you swim around a buoy, and Mm -hmm. you do some training on the sand, and one of the women in my recheck group, um, she was actually pregnant at the time, and so wasn't doing the swim, but she was watching me run and swim on the beach, she said. (laughs) And this happened to be one of SLU, Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited's first models. Really? Um, And she was close with Karen Osborne, who's uh, still the head in Los Angeles. Of our LA office here. Yes. And the rest was history. She told me to submit myself a couple of fitness photos and whatnot. Yeah. And I honestly giggled and like laughed in her face because I couldn't think of anything worse than being a model. Yeah. The words associated with modeling for me at the time were vanity. Uh, 
anorexia, superficial, yeah, yeah anorexia. cocaine. Like it's just yeah. the it, like the image is terrible. Yeah. So, and I didn't know this this breed of fitness models existed. Right. So I did a little research, went on their website, saw that it was relatively down to earth, and I yeah. went ahead and said, "Mom, can you take pictures of me lifting these dumbbells and <laughs> bench pressing?" Uh, dribbling a basketball and we yeah. sent them in bench pressing huh yeah bench <laughs> pressing you know this is back when um that was a thing oh it's a thing <laughs> <laughs> working on my buys and tries yeah um <laughs> Beach but muscles. yeah they they accepted me and work just it happened from there yeah. i remember my first shoot ever uh the director up in portland at the portland office of slu called me and let me know that this was going to be a gnarly shoot. Really? Like I was going to have to be in really tip top shape. And at the time I was. So yeah. I said, sweet, like I'm, I'm ready to go. And they sent me to Logan, Utah. And I land amongst a bunch of other talent. A lot of them were local from Utah. And then there were three others from SLU yep. who were pretty well seasoned. And thank goodness I had them to show me the ropes for the most part. But um, that after. first shoot is terrifying. Oh, it's so scary. You're like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah, I remember there. So we were in a very uh, high concentration of Mormons sure. area. So our NDA had all this stuff about not showing skin and not cursing and just it was really strict. So I figured yeah. every shoot was like this, and we were <laughs> no doing. Cursing. Oh my gosh, so many explosive moves. It was for a fitness DVD. All these jumping and, and power push-ups, yeah. getting off the ground, running through water, and like doing the uh, one of the guys was doing backflips in water, which you know, what? not not so safe, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah, it was intense and our knees were so shot from jumping up and down on concrete yeah. by the end of the shoot. It was nuts. So that was my first experience. And it was a good lesson because from that point, I thought every shoot was like that. Right. I just went into every shoot there on thinking it was going to be that intense. I was going to be beat up. And, you know, when you have when you expect the worst, it yep. only gets better. Yeah. I mean, you have those shoots like I talked about that first shoot I did with Zach where we I think we ran 20 miles easily. Like, oh, with Skechers. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I can handle this. But then I had, you have shoots where like you work for 15 minutes out of 12 hours or, you know, your work involves like sitting on a couch or pretending to tie your shoe. You know, it can be very low impact. Um, I want to say I've been on a shoot with Zach where he's actually had to remind me, you know, stop complaining about sitting around and doing nothing. You're getting paid. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and for a doer, that's hard to conceptualize. Like, I want to earn my money, but. No, actually, I'll read my book. <laughs> yeah, you have to learn to enjoy the best of both worlds. Like the active shoots are super fun, especially when there's multiple people you're working yeah. with. But then down, like I always forget a book when it, there's a lot of downtime. And when I bring my book, there's no downtime, Yeah, which is the age old issue. But but isn't that how it goes? Murphy's Law, like no matter what you're prepared yeah. for, someone's going to slip a 180 and, and uh, throw you off your game somehow. And yeah. That's the best skill we can have going into this industry is adaptability. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to Logan, Utah. You did this insane shoot. Mm -hmm. You got some direct bookings. And then what about it first, you know, kind of flip that switch in your mind of like, oh, I could definitely see myself modeling. This is not a crazy idea. At first, it was a major, I won't lie, it was a major ego boost and just this surge in people... I knew we're seeing me on the cover of a fitness DVD. Yeah. And there is later. an element of, of vanity to it. You know, yeah. that's a real human emotion. Like that's a real thing. And I've thought a lot about this and like, I mean, you're very attractive, you know that. And like, you know, I grew up being the cute kid and I think modeling gives you an opportunity to like exercise that vanity impulse in a way that's like where it belongs this is true. You know? And I think the novelty definitely wears off um, in terms of when people recognize you uh, on websites or yada da da da. I have this joke with 
with a lot of my friends, they notice where my ankles are. What? Um, just because I've got these tiny little toothpick ankles. Yeah. So that's the only thing I really like being recognized for anymore. I mean, you do a lot of running stuff, so <laughs> a lot of ankles out there. But uh, yeah, the novelty wears off and you realize uh, what you take away from every single shoot is is experience and just this opportunity that you had to collaborate yeah. with a lot of high up directors, producers, and awesome talent that all have unique stories. Yeah. And it's not ever going to be about you. It's not no. about you. You are nope. a mannequin with a brain. Yep. And with a set of skills and you're there to do your job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's it's total from when I was seven years old, the teamwork aspect of right. things, it's a perfect translation into what we do now. Yeah. That's the joy I get out of doing what we do. Yeah. And I, we've been lucky enough to work together a couple times now. Yeah. I mean, we, the first time I met you was on that shoot in Mount Shasta. Yeah. And like, I think you, me and Zach left that being like, well, we're the three best friends in the entire world. Oh my gosh. Like, I felt like we were actually blood related. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw you, did you have long hair? You had shorter hair. Short. Huh? Yeah. I was short then. But you just cut it short. Yeah. So the first time I saw Michael <laughs> talking about attractive, oh my gosh. Get out of here. I figured you were a good like five or six years older than me, but I'd never seen such a chiseled jaw in my entire life. <laughs> so sold. Um, he's available Monday, Wednesday, Friday for bookings. <laughs> he's a beautiful white male. Very commercial looking. Yeah, we'll edit this out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mount Shasta. Awesome. Mount Shasta. Um, God, we couldn't have asked for a better crew that yeah. time. And I think, you know, Zach and I obviously got along. Like, they made jokes about us having, like, a bromance. And we had weird scenes on the rock where we were basically <laughs> on top of each other trying to follow <laughs> each other's footsteps. But um, you bring a sort of energy to the, a sh- every shoot I've been on you with where it's – you just have this, like, boundless sunshine emanating from your soul. And it's – you know, I've you know when you go in to check in with the agency and say, oh, I worked with Steph on ASICS. And they're like, oh, Steph. She's my favorite. And like anyone, when, you know, you meet another model from SLU, they're like, oh, Steph Cordell's Steph Cordell my favorite. And like you actually were requested to be on this podcast. After I dropped Zach's episode, a model in New York was like, please have Steph Cordell on. And I was like, I already booked her. So we're That's on the same hilarious. page. And also the best compliment I think I could ever get is to know that my energy is transcending yeah. to others. Um but yeah, it, it's just such a different experience every time you're on set. And some people you just gel really well with. Right. Um, I think I work really well with with male talent because I'm more of a bro. Kind of a tomboy. Yeah, total tomboy. And that's been a actually a big insecurity I've noticed about myself going into castings, like especially commercial castings. Even if it's for fitness, I'm afraid I'm too masculine. Or like when really? you're getting called in with the cattle that looks like you, that are all ethnically ambiguous, I do feel like, wow, I could really be the bro amongst all these beautiful women. And it's just funny, the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I think fitness, a lot of fitness shoots, I mean, they want that intensity. It's not like a you know curated fit it's not like yeah. kendall jenner in a pair of adidas like you did that under armor spot that just came out and like you look fucking scary and it's but also womanly like you're not like a dude it's not like mm. yeah it's taken a while but those moments of intensity where you just get to beat the shit out of some equipment and some battle ropes oh, that is so powerful and i've noticed on social media that's when i get the best response when oh yeah i can authentically be my badass self and yeah. I don't have to hold back or I don't have to show product in a certain way and pose lightly. Right. It's like you know, smile while doing these burpees. And you're yeah. like, no one does this, but okay. Yeah. I think authenticity is something that's super valued now. Yeah. Yeah. But when you show up to set and like, maybe you don't gel with people. Like I went, I was on a shoot in San Diego yesterday and I, you know, when you get a call sheet, like you have an address and like, that's about it. And when you show up, like maybe you know what room to go to. This in this case, we're shooting at a hotel, so I knew what room to go to. And like I probably have the least information of anyone there about what's going on. Like everyone's scouted the location, they're setting up gear, 
the producers there, the clients there, the photographers there. But I'm just like, I like I walk in the room and no, like no one's kind of like engaging me. So like I look for wardrobe or makeup and like try to, and it's just like a little awkward. And I've I've learned to just take my space and like, you know, that part is incredibly awkward. Right when you first walk up to yeah. set, you're like, hey guys. Yeah. And I'm sure for you, they know you're the model, but a lot of the time, like when you're not tall and statuesque, they actually think you're maybe the PA. No, something. they think I'm like a grip or art department or something. <laughs> Which is actually a compliment. You think I'm skilled in so many other ways, but... Yeah, I'm a young go-getter. Yeah, exactly. That moment is very awkward. And as you go throughout the day and titles are given to who is who, I think if it is a situation where you're not gelling with everyone, it's best to uh, stop worrying about being interesting yourself and get interested in other people. Yeah. You just learn something. If it's a little bit off-putting what someone says to you or you don't agree or align with uh, someone's take or the worst when someone is hyper-opinionated yeah. about exercise, diet, uh, Or like the over-talkers religion. right at the beginning. You're like, okay, yeah. okay, dude. Well, then, <laughs> we yeah, all know what keto know, is. <laughs> yeah, you keep your distance or you get yeah. real interested in your book instead. Yeah, but I struggle with that sometimes. Like I've had so many times it happens where beginning of the day, it's like, you know, you meet the other talent, mm-hmm. you're all nice. And like lunch, you kind of start to talk more. And by the end of the shoot, you're friends. And then there you rap and you're like, well, we just like opened up. But like, I think pump fake and a friendship. Yeah. But because I get, I don't know, I get very threatened and insecure around like, especially talent that are guys my age who may look like me. Like I get just so wild that you felt intimidated by Zach. Dude. Well, I mean, Zach crushes it. I loved that part of the podcast. Honestly, I'm still intimidated by Zach. Both of you are so lovable. I swear not to be all woo woo, but if. Both of you were sitting in this room. Your auras would be yellow, just like happy energy and lovey-dovey. Yeah, we love each other. Romance. So. Okay, yeah. moving on. But yeah. you get intimidated. But I get intimidated and like it's hard. I'm a little bit of an introvert and an observer at first. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like to like kind of get the lay of the land and not be aggressively antisocial, but maybe not engage, be the first one to make a move, you know, right. in terms of just like socialization. Um, so like, do you just like, ask people about like what they got going on or what they're wearing or well my first interaction with people normally happens at crafty yeah to be honest like anything surrounding food and they'll notice it's eight in the morning and i'm having half a chocolate bar as i do (laughs) it's just a routine put a little pep in your step (laughs) i don't know you can find anything to make conversation over i will say you were incredibly hard to read for me at first. I couldn't tell if you were an introvert or extrovert. Yeah. And now that I know you're an artist, it makes more sense. Maybe. Because there's that very, um, I guess, there's ability to be versatile and, and flip-flop between the two. Yeah. And turn it on, turn it off, which makes you great in this industry. Is you can be reading for half the day. Well, yeah, when they call action, run. I can be like mixed, Mr. Extrovert. But like in real yeah. life, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you were incredibly hard to read. Yeah. Like That's I said, I kind I of observe and like, you know, I was a painfully shy kid. So, and, I, you know, being in this industry has changed that in a lot of ways. And now I'm, I've gotten better at, um, if you go into like a shoot or a group of people with the idea of like, we're already friends. Like, let's just assume we're friends. Let's cut the, like, what, where'd you grow up? And, like, let's just talk about Game of Thrones or, like, whatever is relevant. Like, what would I talk to Steph about if she was here? That helps a lot. And I think, yeah, just kind of getting over it. Like, everyone's insecure and, like, looking at themselves. So just, like, be the one who steps out. and like Totally. Yeah. I've noticed if it's usually, like, one of the girls on set that is – supposedly giving everyone stink eye or just needs to fix her face a little bit. That's the girl that (laughs) has the tiniest bit of insecurity. And all she needs is for you to walk up and introduce yourself. She's waiting for someone to approach her. So yeah, just like compliment something like cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all so much more cliche. We're so much more alike than we are different. So find a commonality and Rochambeau on that, you know? Yeah. I think about all the times when like, maybe you're like kind of sizing someone up and like, you're being nice, but you're not really, you're kind of doing that, like, ma- like that dance. And then, like, <laughs> <Side> eye. <laughs> that person's just like, oh, dude, like, d- 
dope shoes. Like, where'd you get those? And you're like, oh, thank God. And then you just start talking. Like, yeah. so I realized how good that makes me feel. Yeah. So I've started trying to do that proactively just because like, if I tell the guy like nice shoes or like I try to strike up a conversation and he's a dick, then like I tried move along. But like it almost never happens, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting is I've gotten a lot of amazing relationship advice on set from yeah. complete strangers. Well, yeah, because there's no like they can be objective, you know? Right. There's yeah. no bias whatsoever. And. And a lot of the time, these people, well, number one, they're attractive. So, yes, people have been after them and they've probably been in and out of relationships. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's objective and they're just, they can tell you the truth and they can tell yeah. you to your face uh, what you're worth. And that's, you know, priceless. So. Priceless. And I found that despite what I thought, like most models who have been at it for a while are in like very stable relationships like they're probably married with children even if they look like a 24 year old pro volleyball player like you find out she's 34 and has three kids and you're like whoa because like they have their shit together you can't be a wild child and have a like a career in an industry that's so saturated mm -hmm. and like, it's pretty refreshing yeah um how do you feel about this is probably um tmi but how do you feel about dating other models versus dating people with a more calculated schedule. I know it works for me now, but after plenty of trial and error. Yeah. I mean, I'm in an interesting spot where I'm like kind of not, I'm just like not dating right now. Just trying to take some time for me, but I've thought about this a lot and I think it's important to date someone who at least understands the lifestyle. Like maybe they modeled, maybe they do hair and makeup. Maybe they are a producer or like grew up in LA because our lives are so weird and like we have no schedule. Like you can't plan anything. My friend's like, are you going to be in town this weekend? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't yeah. promise anything. And if a big enough job comes along, I will not be in town. Like, yeah. And that's how you find out who your true friends are as well. Yeah. Like you can't tell someone to meet you for coffee tomorrow. No. Because you just don't know. Like this, we had to re almost reschedule this podcast because like I was on hold and then the shoot got moved and you just never know. But and when you have people like you and me, I get it. Like I actually, I wanted you to take all of Thursday just in case you had a shoot Yeah. because nothing is worth losing your peace over. Right. But back to the dating thing. I mean, I mean models, like I don't put models in any category other than just people that understand the lifestyle. So, but yeah. you think it's better to have someone with a more stable. I am someone who formerly needed routine and I came from a background of of needing to know and and planning everything out yeah so I could be prepared to take on any situation and then I took on a complete career path that is such a roller coaster yeah. that for me I need my partner to have some sort of stability not necessarily a nine-to-five but I need to have some sort of expectation time-wise um, my my love language is quality time. So I need to know that we're going to get our time together. Snuggles. Okay, yeah, my second is touching. That's a really <laughs> close second. <laughs> um, they go hand in hand. But yeah, it's a little bit too difficult, to be honest, for me to be in a relationship with someone who is always off the grid and kind of bouncing yeah. around just as I am, which sounds hypocritical because that's, you know... That's but it's me. almost impossible to have a relationship because yeah. it's like... When do you Where meet? are you this week? Like when, like I, so I dated a musician for a long time and she would be recording until 2 a.m. and then like have gigs on the weekends. And it was just like ships in the night and night, you know, that yeah. wasn't the end of it, but it certainly didn't help. Yeah. And there are plenty of ups and downs in terms of not getting your rest or being on set for four days when, you know, they don't have anything but Chick-fil-A, which I hear is really delicious. You've never had Chick-fil-A? Uh, not within the past, like, uh, decade. <laughs> it's really good. All right. Noted. Going to Chick-fil-A later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes sets don't have the best food options when you're on a running shoot or an active shoot that would be adequate fuel for your body. But yeah, yeah late night flights, maybe red eyes. If you're sharing that struggle with a partner you probably both understand, but you probably are never getting the best sides of each other mm -hmm. ultimately. Um, 
So it's hard to see the balance in that. Yeah, that's a very valid point. I should take that into consideration in my non-dating life. Yeah, this is me, <laughs> the girl who knows zip zero zilch about relationships, giving you advice here. <laughs> you know everything, Steph. I just know when when you feel aligned and you feel like you can really speak your truth with any person that you meet, that you're going to find someone who makes you very happy. And that I was very... Uh, I was too accommodating in the past. Yeah. I've noticed with with modeling, actually, I was kind of a pushover and just willing to do anything. And I never asserted boundaries. Right. I would be on the verge of hypothermia half the time or uh, my leg would be or I would have blisters or something that were super painful and I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. I mean, you worry about that. Like you don't want them to think you're not professional or yeah. you weren't prepared or you know, you're not what you what was promised by your agency. Right. But, but there is that strong boundary that just says, here's my self-worth. Yeah. And here's what I expect out of your professional production agency. Yeah. And that actually increases your value to them. It's like you said, when you're not available to work all the time, it actually enhances it helps. your uh, yeah availability to book. And the work will be there when you come back. Like, yeah. go on vacation, yeah. take time off, do your weird thing, like get fat for a little bit, and then get back in shape. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. You, I don't think you could ever get fat. Oh come on. Do you do you have a vice? Do you have? Oh, chocolate. Chocolate's your vice. Chocolate, and recently. This is kind of bad to say on a podcast, but 2019, I have had more <laughs> alcohol this year than really my entire life. I just really like to drink now. Cool. I like tequila. I love spicy margaritas in yep. particular. Um, and red wine. I've I've been dating a red wino, so <laughs> he's wonderful and the wine is just overflowing. It's flowing. Your cup is cup is overfloweth. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I I was having beers with my friend in San Francisco recently and the first time he kind of like realized I was modeling was when I was up there for an ASIC shoot several years ago and we went out to dinner and I wouldn't drink I would only eat salads I had to be in bed by 10 and then I saw him this time and like I was drinking beers and like you know we we ate chicken wings but like I didn't go crazy but like I was being a normal person and he's like he's like oh you like you've changed like it seems like you've created a life balance as opposed yeah. to like letting it rule your life. I want to give you a high five right now. I've felt the same way. Bing. Yeah. Hear that slap? I've noticed even more so than having a crazy workout regimen and eating perfectly. It's lowering your stress level that really keeps the weight off. And we're in an industry where yeah. it's very anxiety driving. Cortisol. And high stress. It's yeah. A, it's a real thing, people. Totally. Google it. So for me, I, I work hard and I train hard because I enjoy it Yeah, and I train hard up until maybe two or three days before a shoot and then just roll the ball and let's play. Like yeah. whatever's happening with my body is not going to alter uh, like, the shoot. You can only, you know, we don't have much warning for auditions and you walk in like, all right, boys, take your shirts off. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, I don't have an off season. So it's like the difference between three percent and five percent body fat like i don't know if it's gonna make a difference but like i can't live a life at three percent body fat so i'm not yeah. going to and, and with the same thing like if i want to have a couple of beers at the end of the night when i'm done with all my work and i've like that I had a very productive day great because if i don't have those beers for a month then i'm gonna have like 20 beers and then feel guilty about it and then like yeah. eat a pint of ice cream and then feel guilty about that and like it gets ugly. It's so, the truth. The pendulum know? swings. If you're starving yourself, you're going to overdo it at some point. Yeah. That's actually the most common question I get from younger models or people that are curious about modeling. What do you eat? How do you exercise? It's less about uh, what actually goes on on set. Yeah. Which it, it bums me out a little bit. I want people to know about the holistic experience of being on a set and hearing action. Well, and that's why we're here. Having that adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. Thank God but that's, for this podcast. I think that's the number one question I get from my friends. They're like, can you eat what you want? And it's like, yeah, yeah I eat everything I want. I'm just not an idiot about it. Like yeah. I have pizza, but I eat a lot of vegetables and like protein, you know? That's a good answer. Yeah. I've been telling women I go into 
my line of work athlete minded. Yeah. So I fuel properly. Yeah. And I like wine and I like chocolate. That's my taste palette. It's my vice. And I'm not going to give those things up because they make me happy. And those things actually give me the energy to get through a tough shoot or, you know, do what I do every day with gusto. You got to you got to live your life. You got to enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, this thing's supposed to be fun, right? Ultimately. Life. This thing, this, yeah, this industry, life, all of it. I think so. I'm having a good time. Are you having a good time? I'm having a freaking blast. We all know Steph's having a blast. <laughs> and Ella's having a blast over there sleeping. Ella's TKO'd She's with a little out. raccoon. Well, do you have any parting, parting words for our listeners? Parting words of wisdom. Oh, man. You're going to have to cut in between this because I want to come up with something good. I believe in you. I believe in you, Steph. It doesn't have to be about modeling. Parting words for this 28-year-old woman who has not yet lived her full life and is spewing bullshit upon you all. Um, Parting words, struggle with grace and enjoy the process. Mm. So whether it's a tough time at work or dealing with an injury, find find the knowledge in that um be a student of what's going on in your life and yeah. know that you are versatile and you are dynamic as a human being when one thing is not going the way you want it to and isn't able to be you know photographed and put on instagram with five million likes then something else will work out you yep. know keep finding a way always find a way and be ready to work hard yeah yeah that's beautiful stuff that's what it is. Thanks for having me, Michael. Where can people find you? What do you want to... I'm mostly on Instagram, at yep. uh, Steph Cordial, S-T-E-F-C-O-R-G-E-L. Um, usually moving and laughing. Yeah. I like to laugh. It's the best ab workout. Um, You're the one person who, like, when I click on your story and it looks like Braille, just so many dots, like, I watch them all because they make <laughs> me feel good. Everyone else, I'm like, God damn, this bitch. But yours, I'm just like, yes, Steph is in a good mood and that puts me in a good mood. <laughs> I can be excessive, but you know what? I'm going to share what makes me happy and hope it makes others happy too. Amen. Thanks for being here, sister. Thanks, brother. All right. See ya. Bye, kids. Sometimes I wonder if the world's so